Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to open your Bible with me this morning to the 40th chapter of Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter 40. In the last few weeks, I've been talking to you about the Spirit-filled life and how that the Spirit of God indwells us. And most Christians know that the Holy Spirit indwells them individually. And But very few uh, Christians ever talk about or have any real understanding of the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells His church collectively. That just like your body and my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost as individuals, the body of Christ is also the temple of the Holy Ghost and the temple of God. And, uh, and even the local church is the temple of God. And just like, and we talked about this, won't go, go over it again, but just like in every other representation of the temple. It started with the tabernacle, which I'm about to read in this verse. And every manifestation of the temple of God, beginning here in in, uh, Exodus, when when God's glory filled the tabernacle, that tabernacle was a temporary, uh, it was a mobile temple, if you would. And then God raised up Solomon, and uh, Solomon built a house for the Lord. And uh, that was the temple of God in, in the days of the kings and so forth. And then uh, we know that Christ is the temple of God. He is the ultimate temple. Because he, he said to the people of his, age, to, of his day, to his disciples, and to people around uh, there in Jerusalem, he said, you tear this temple down, talking about Herod's temple. He said, three days I'll raise it up. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. So Christ is the temple of God. And then the individual Christian, like I said, our bodies are the temple of God. And then... Uh, the church is the temple of God. Well, that's five different manifestations of the temple. And of course, Christ is the antitype. All of the other types look to him. He has, the temple of God has its fulfillment in Christ. But I made the point that if, and it's, and it's been proven, we, won't have, we don't have time to go through it, but we've shown from the scriptures, that in every one of those other instances, the tabernacle, Solomon's temple, Christ Jesus himself, and the individual believer, that as the temple of God, they and we have the Spirit within us, but then He wants to fill us. Christians go from just being born again and having the Holy Spirit in them to being filled with the Spirit. And it's the will of God. Well, wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it just be natural and reasonable to think that the local church being indwelt by the Spirit, and we are, uh, this local church, the Holy Spirit is here all the time. But then there's something uh, in the local church where the church can move from a place of just having the Holy Spirit present to being filled with the Spirit. And you remember in Ephesians, when Paul was writing to the church, he said this to the Ephesian Christians, and this is so important for Spirit-filled people to understand. He said, be filled with the Spirit. Now, they had already been baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were already Spirit-filled Christians. That is, they had the Holy Spirit in them, but then they had been filled with the Spirit, which is a, which is a separate uh, and distinct work of God. 
But he said to them, be filled with the Spirit. And if you go back and study it in the, in the Greek language, which it was originally written in, it really says, be being filled. And it indicates that being filled with the Spirit is something, it's not a one-time event. It's not just something static. Now, I grew up in church, you know, and, and the old timers used to testify, you know, I thank God, you know, in 1919, I was saved. I was sanctified. I was filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, or whenever the year was. And they, and they hearken back to that time. And, and that is true that we, there's one time you're filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. But according to Ephesians, there are many refillings. And we see it in the book of Acts because in the book of Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But in Acts chapter 4, it said they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. So the, so the filling of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is an experience that has to be maintained or even better, it, 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 maintained is not the best way to say it. It has to, it has to occur again and again and again. In other words, there are constant refillings of the Spirit that are necessary. Because you don't really just maintain, you just fill with the Holy Spirit and then you maintain it. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, but then you're refilled as you need it and as you, and as you hunger for God. Amen. Amen. So in, in, uh, uh, that's true in the local church. So that's true in the local church. We have the Holy Spirit within us, but then uh, the Holy Spirit can move in such a way that he fills us collectively as the body of Christ. And so I want to talk about uh, that in the sense that uh, the Spirit of God is referred to very often or he's, he is manifested in a variety of different ways. And one way is by his glory. That's how the Holy Spirit is manifested in the Bible, by his glory. So let's start here in, in, in uh, uh, Exodus chapter 40 and let's look at verse 30, <clears throat> 34 and 35. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now the thing that I want you to see is the glory of the Lord is obviously spiritual. And yet, it can come into manifestation in such a way that it has physical-like components. Notice that Moses in the flesh, physically, was not able to go into, the, into that tabernacle because of the glory of God. There was something there, the glory of God. Let me put it this way. It was tangible. The glory of God can be in manifestation to, the, to such an extent, extent that it's tangible. And uh, they saw it. It said the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled it. And Moses was not able to even enter in. In other words, he, he, he evidently tried to go in and was not able because the glory of the Lord was in there. It was in manifestation. Praise the Lord. Now let's look at Leviticus. We want to look at several scriptures this morning. Let's go to Leviticus chapter nine. And I just want to lay a a broad foundation of understanding. Leviticus 9, and let's look at verse number 23. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. 
Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now, the thing I want you to see here is, is the, holy, the, the glory of the Lord is, is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can, can uh, manifest as the cloud. It also manifests as fire. So both of those was a manifestation of the Holy Ghost and a manifestation of the glory. And uh, it says that, that the glory of, of the Lord appeared to all the people. And, and then fire came out and consumed the altar, or the burnt offerings on the altar. And when the people saw it, so they saw the glory of God. The glory of God can be in manifest. It's not always in manifestation to this extent that you can see it, but it can be. And the people saw it and they saw the fire. In other words, it was something that, and it wasn't just one or two people. They all saw it. Everybody there saw it. And uh, the spiritual people saw it and the carnal people saw it. (laughs) Everybody saw it. And, uh, excuse me, it says that uh, when they saw it, that is the the, the cloud and the glory and and the fire, they fell on their faces. Now, do you suppose God accidentally showed them the glory? Do you, do you suppose when all the people fell down, the Lord thought, oh, goodness, I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean for them to see it. No, the glory of the Lord was manifested and it was, inten- it, it was his intention that they see it. He did it on purpose. <laughs> and uh, they all fell on their face because it was, it was awesome. It was just awesome. They were, they were just struck by it. And they fell on their faces. Let's, uh, let's look at a couple other verses. And we're, and we're gleaning things from this as we go. Let's look to Numbers chapter 16. Numbers 16th chapter. And let's look at verse number 41. On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. Not a good idea. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Now, I want you to notice here that that word suddenly, because that's important too. In other words, it's something that happened all of a sudden. It took everybody by surprise. They weren't expecting it. And so there are times when when the glory of God uh, and and the move of the Spirit in general can come suddenly. Does that that word suddenly uh, bring up anything in in your memory as Pentecostals? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Amen. So it says here that, that the glory cloud, the cloud suddenly appeared. Amen. And uh, that's in the 16th chapter of Numbers. Let's go over to the 20th chapter of Numbers. And it says in verse 6, So Aaron and Moses, or Moses and Aaron, went from the presence of the assembly 
to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and they fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Now notice that Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the glory appeared. Now we saw already that when the glory appeared to, to the congregation of Israel, when it appeared, they fell on their faces. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces and then the glory appeared. You know, there are people who will respond to something God does and we should respond. But then there are people of faith who respond before God does something. Amen. We're, we're to live in such a way that we honor God and, and we, we, uh, we offer up sacrifices of praise and worship before God does anything and God responds. Amen. That's a good lesson to learn. Amen. And uh, so we're going to look at several scriptures. Now, let's, let's go to 2 Chronicles. This is a, a, a scripture almost everybody knows. Uh, if you're spirit filled people, you know about this. This was the, the occasion of the dedication of Solomon's temple. And it came to pass, this is Second Chronicles 5, Second Chronicles 5, verse 11. It came to pass when the priest came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites who were, of the, who were the singers, all those of Asaph and uh, Jeduthun and Heman and their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen having cymbals stringed instruments and harps notice they were musicians they had these different instruments of music and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets so you had musicians among the priests and you had musicians among the Levites And it says, indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters, that would be all of the musicians, and the singers were as one to make some one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, so they had drums at church. (laughs) Uh, And praise the Lord, saying, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Now, now, two things happened here. When they became one in singing and praising the Lord. And in their musical worship. When everybody on the team became one. And the team included not just the priests but the Levites as well. All of those who had duties in the temple or duties pertaining to the temple. And today that would refer to all of us. Amen. Because because we're a kingdom of priests. And we have all of us from from the platform to the back row, we have a part to play in the in the worship of the Lord and what goes on in this temple. And it says then, then you could put it this way, when everybody became as one. Amen. Now the people outside in the congregation of Israel, they, they weren't involved in this, but they're, the typology, they don't represent us. We're represented by the people in the temple. The church is represented there. And uh, so when all of the believers, 
Amen. Became as one. To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice. So, so there were two things. There was the, there was the vocal and, and instrumental worship, but there were one accord. So the one accord, worship without being in one accord won't produce the same thing. Amen. But then being in one accord, one accord has a purpose for us to be in one accord in our worship. And they, when that happened and they began to say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That's why I like to say that. I got it from them. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not. Now, the New King James Version does a, does a, really, does a real disservice to us here. The New King James says the priest could not continue ministering. But the older King James, and, and, it, and it reflects the, the original Hebrew, it actually says the, mini, the priest could not stand to minister. That doesn't mean they couldn't tolerate it. It means they couldn't physically endure it. They couldn't physically stand on their feet. The ministers and, and the priests could not continue standing on their feet. Well, if, if I'm up here and I can't stand on my feet, what I'm, what's going to happen? I'm going to fall down. So they literally fell down. And so when the, King James, the new King James says they couldn't continue ministering, that washes out the meaning a little bit. They physically could not stand, their physical bodies could not stand when they encountered the glory of God. Can you see that there are different degrees of the glory of the Lord? Different degrees of its strength. Amen. And on this occasion, one, one occasion, you know, Moses tried to go in, but he couldn't. But evidently they were already in there. They were already in the temple when this happened. And when the glory came in, it was just too much. They couldn't handle it. They just fell down. Must have, must have looked like a train wreck. I mean, cymbals and trumpets and, you know, everywhere. But you know, God, God has a way of doing things. Amen. And it says this happened because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Well, praise the Lord. Seventh chapter. When Moses and Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. Saw that before. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the, now, now the priest had gone out. Because here it says, and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire fell down, fire came down, and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. That's the plan of God. Go over with me to Psalm 63. There's a lot of references to this, and we're, and we're not going to be able to read all of them, obviously, but I wanted to read several. Psalm 63, verse 2. Well, verse 1 says, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. You know, that, uh, 
that land sounds a lot like the, the natural land we live in today. In, in the world, I'm talking about spiritually. The world is a, is a dry and thirsty place spiritually. And though we are, though we're not of the world, we're still in the world. And we, we go out and we mingle with people that live in that darkness every day. And you can sense it, it's all around you. Now it doesn't, it doesn't discourage you or, or depress you or cause you any problems because greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. But right at the same time, when you have an opportunity to, to leave that congregation and come on over in among this congregation, the congregation of the people of God, it's different. It's different. Amen. He said, and here's, here should, this should be our attitude. Oh God, you are God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. We don't thirst for him from the sense of being dry that we don't have. We thirst because we want more. Glory to God. May we always stay thirsty for more. Amen. The more we drink, the thirstier we should be. Hallelujah. The more we, the more we drink in of the spirit, the more of the spirit we should desire. He said, I, my soul thirst for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. So I look for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. You know, we should look to see the power and the glory of God. We should look for it. We should look for it. It's not wrong to look for it. Amen. Now, the thing about the glory of God is you can't make it happen. You can't you know, arrange it. You can't schedule it. You can't do certain things, jumpsuit through hoops and make it happen. It's just not the way it works. But we should look for it. In other words, we should, we should be, our attention should, should be on seeking God, drawing close to him, but with, a, with, a, with an eye over here looking for the glory. Looking for him. Amen. It shouldn't be foreign to us. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. And, and I guess you could look at that, you know, metaphorically. Well, you know, we see your power, but, but also see it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Isaiah. And go to the 35th chapter of Isaiah. Glory to God. You know what? It just, hallelujah. Just so little time. Verse one says, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom I'm not done yet. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and the, the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice. Even with joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord 
and the excellency of our God. Go over to the 58th chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah 58. Glory. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. (laughs) Glory to God. The glory of the Lord. Can we read some more? Hallelujah. 59. Chapter 59. Let's look at verse 19. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. What is it? That's the glory of the Lord. He's our rear guard, glory to God. When the enemy tries something, the glory of the Lord lifts up a standard, praise God. Ooh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, 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 mm. 60th chapter. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For, a right, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. We've already talked about that. It's going on now. We see it all around. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. You believe that's possible? The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Hallelujah. Mm, 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 mm. Praise God. I wish I had time to just camp here a little bit. (laughs) Glory to God. Uh, I, I skipped a verse intentionally. Go back to Exodus 29. We read Exodus 40, but I I intentionally skipped Exodus 29. I want to bring this out. Exodus 29. And look at 43. Start in verse 42. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. The glory of God has a sanctifying effect on the church. It does. And uh, that happens when we submit ourselves to him. Amen. We, we sanctify ourselves in the sense that we set ourselves apart for God. We consecrate ourselves to him. But then when, when, we, when we do that, his presence, his glory has a sanctifying effect upon us. Because I'm telling you, church, when you have a church full of the glory of God... People begin to be afraid to not reverence God. Amen. 
there's a holy reverence that comes when, when the people of God are fully submitted and the glory of the Lord comes in with, with, with all of his, of his greatness and, and, and glory and strength. There's a, there, we need that. We need that sanctifying effect. And then it has this effect of being attractive to people who, who don't know God. Amen. Go back where we were. Where were we? In uh, Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60. Darkness shall cover the earth. Deep darkness the people. But the glory of the Lord will arise over you. His glory will be seen upon you. Then Gentiles will come to your light. And the brightness of your rising. Hallelujah. I had a whole lot more scriptures to do today. And, uh, but I just want to camp right there for a minute. Gentiles, the unbelievers, the world. They, they, all men, let's put it this way. All men, consciously or unconsciously, desire the presence of God. Because man was created to live in the presence of God. This, all men are spirit men, spirit beings. And the human spirit was created for the presence of God. It was, it was created to be in the presence of God. To know God. Now people that are unsaved pursue God through all kinds of alternative uh, methods and paths, none of them are fulfilling. None of them. And we could go through and list all the different ways that people are looking for God. And we know they, it'll never happen. It'll never satisfy. There's an inner craving and an inner awareness that, that, that people are not even conscious of. Longing for the presence of God. Well, our churches ought to be so full of the presence of God that when people come in, with, in addition to what is being said, just the presence of God, the glory of God should have an impact and draw them. Hallelujah. It's what God wants. It's what God wants. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My goodness. Let's just stand up for a minute. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. It's dangerous right now because I talked to a a pastor friend this week and uh, he said in their churches whenever... You know, the Sunday morning said, it's not unusual at all for us to go to one o'clock, two o'clock, sometimes still dark. <laughs> yeah, he said, yeah, that, that, I mean, they, they start at the same time we do. And said, so when the Holy Ghost gets moved, he said, we just stay. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I said, it's dangerous. Let's just lift our hands and praise him for a few minutes. Glory to God. It's wonderfully dangerous. It's wonderfully provoking. (laughs) 
Oh, glory to God. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you, Father. We worship you, oh Lord. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. We're in one accord to the best of our ability, as many of us as, as we can, Father. Oh, our heart is to worship you as one. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God is so good. His mercy, his mercy, his mercy, his mercy. His mercy endures forever. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for taking us further in your presence. Because we know that there's more. More glory. More reality. Greater demonstrations and manifestations of your power. You know, the Apostle Paul, he, when he came, you know, to, when he wrote to the church of Corinth, he said, when I came into your city preaching, he said, I didn't come with excellence of speech or of natural wisdom, though he, he was a very educated man. He said, I, I didn't come with any of that. I didn't present any of that. I didn't, You can say it like this. He said, I didn't present myself in a way that you would look to me in the natural as anybody or anything. He said, my speech and my preaching were in demonstration, excuse me, demonstration of the spirit and of power. Now he said, I I purposed that for this reason, that your faith would no longer be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He said, I want your faith to be in the power of God. Well, faith in the power of God is is also faith for the power of God. Faith for the power of God. So I want us as a church, like I said, you can't make anything happen. God's going to do things on his timing. Suddenly. Oh, thank God for suddenlies. Amen. But we can, we can have faith in the power of God and faith for the power of God. Like the, like, like the psalmist said, I looked for your glory in the temple. Glory to God. Let's, let's do that as a church. Let's make a decision this morning to be a church that looks for the glory of God. That we... We expect God's fullness every time we meet. Every time we meet. Every time we come together. We want what God wants completely in that service. And it may be teaching, preaching. It may be just a worship service. It may be running and shouting and dancing and and all of those things. But we want what God wants. So that, so that, because you see, when the Holy Spirit fully has his way in the church, Jesus is always magnified. 
He's always glorified. And it draws people to Christ. It's interesting that on the day of Pentecost, when this suddenly happened, this rushing mighty wind, which we'll look at a little deeper, a little further later, but sound came in and filled that room. And then there appeared to them tongues, divided tongues. What that in the Greek, it says that there was all from one source. There were these tongues, that, that these flames of fire that looked like tongues. And, it, and they all separated from that one source. It began to be distributed. And one sat upon each of those people that were present. And, and, and when that happened, they began to speak with other tongues. Now, they didn't go there planning to do that. They didn't know that was going to happen. But when, those, when, when a tongue uh, alighted on each one of them, they began to speak in other languages. And you see, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. God has ordained that men be saved by the preaching of the gospel. And, and it's so fitting that the, that the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit came in, in the form of tongues of fire and sat upon each one of these. Because you see, the tongue is, is the organ that we use and speak in preaching the gospel. And it had to be sanctified. And it had to be empowered. And so a tongue of fire from heaven came and rested on each one of them. And when it did, their tongues were affected. Glory to God. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. For us to be the witness that we must be in these last days. We have to have that fire. Our tongues have to be full of fire. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. And when that happened in that service, on the day of Pentecost, they were individually and collectively filled with the Holy Ghost. And they went out and they used their tongues with the fire of God on it and turned their world upside down. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 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 Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Father, let it be so. Let it be so, Father. Let it be among us, Lord, that we walk as we should with a consciousness that our tongues have been cleansed, that our language has been cleansed, that our talk has been cleansed, and that we've been given a holy message. That we are to, to speak with the anointing of God, with the power of God, with the glory of the Lord upon us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let it be so. Let it be so. Let it, let it be so among us. We pray for that. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves, Father, that it might be as you say and as you will, Father. 
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.